Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Performance University 10 Rules of Business Podcast. My name is Sean Kirby, and with me today, as always, at least through the first two, is Mr. Mike Kirby, my father, the man, the myth, the legend. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. Um, it feels like the busyness of tax season has kind of already like smacked us in the nose. Um, so we came in bright and early this morning to make sure we got this episode out. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to apologize up front. Uh, I woke up a couple days ago with a little cold, so if I start sneezing, coughing, runny nose, all that stuff, I uh, I apologize up front. But we'll try to get through this and see if we can make some sense out of the nonsense. Okay, we'll see what we can do. All right. So the third rule of business: know your numbers. What does it mean to know your numbers? So, you know, uh, first of all, going back to the, the first two rules: stay in business making money. Um, the real art to that is going to be knowing your numbers. And knowing your numbers is, I, I you know, I thought a lot about this, in, and I think most people who are listening probably played some sport in their life. I don't care if it was starting out like Little Ruby and you're playing three-year-old soccer where you're running around the field and not really knowing what you're doing. And at any given moment, you're going to run over grandpa and say, did you bring a candy cane? Mm-hmm. Um, at three years old, they're really learning the fundamentals. And if you notice, they don't keep score. But almost every parent and every grandparent is on the sidelines cheering that their granddaughter, in my case, um, scores a goal. Because we've been conditioned to win. You either win or you lose. And how do you know if you're winning? You got to keep score. And how do you know if you're losing? You got to keep score. And sports to me has always been probably the best analogy for for business because you don't know if you're winning or losing if you don't keep score. Um, So knowing your numbers is a matter of literally keeping track of whether I'm winning or losing. And there's a lot to it, but at the same time, this is probably the simplest of the first three. It's not the easiest, but it certainly is the simplest. And that is you've got to collect the data. You've got to put the data in a format, whether that's uh, a profit loss statement, whether I'm keeping track of my revenues coming in and my expenses going out. And there's a saying that says when your uh, outflows exceed your income, your overhead, your downfall. I'll say that again, when your outflow exceeds your income, then your overhead, your downfall. So you've got to, and we've talked about it in both the first and the second segment, that you've got to constantly keep track. And the best way to do that is a budget. And whether that's a budget for how many sales do we need to make, which is going to generate the revenue, how many um, people do we have on staff, which is going to be your greatest expense, Um, And are those people helping me make money? So um, I was thinking, going back to the sports analogy, about probably one of my favorite baseball movies is a movie called Moneyball. And if you haven't seen the movie Moneyball, it's about uh, the Oakland A's in the 2000s and their GM, Billy Bean. And during the movie, he goes to recruit somebody, I think, from Cleveland, and he runs into... Um, a a man by the name of Pete. And Pete is an economist from one of the East Coast Ivy League schools. 
And they came up with a system, and I looked it up this morning, and it's called Sabermetrics. Sabermetrics. Sabermetrics, which stand for Society of American Baseball Metrics. And what they did, what Pete did, and revolutionized um, certainly the, the A's, was how do we take a low-budget team, which I believe this morning I read they were like 24th out of 30 teams as far as budget, and turn them into a winning baseball team? And how do we go to the series? And, and it was a remarkable um, transition for baseball because, it, and again, there's a lot of parts to the movie that are really fascinating, but if you take the math part of it, they simply said you got to get more people on base uh, on the offense, and whether that's a walk, whether that's uh, you know getting hit with a baseball, whether it's a single, double, triple, doesn't matter. Um, what's the probability of each batter getting on base? And then on the defense side, making sure your defense minimize the number of people on base. So if you think about it in business, how many singles can I get? How many doubles? How many triples? And then how how quickly can I score? And it it to me, was a good business movie, even though most people wouldn't look at it that way. But you think about it, you're, most small businesses are on a very low budget, and they've got to maximize the number of home runs they can hit. And maybe not as many home runs, but how many singles can I get? Which puts my guy on second, which then puts my guy on third, which then gets me home runs. So I, I looked at that, and you look at business the same way, and you go, that's exactly what we're trying to do. I don't have to have the home run hitter every time. But I better have people that can get on base, even if you got to lean into the ball and take one for the team. Um, so the, the statistics, the amount of data that is available today through technology has revolutionized every industry out there because it's all about data points. And one of our businesses, which is Tricked Out Car and Truck, you know, we use a marketing firm. We figured there, we outsourced it because somebody can give us that data, can do it much better than we can. We can do the spray and bed liners. We can do the lift kits. We can do all that. But we've got to get people in the door. So it's probably uh, one of the best businesses we have as far as amount of data that we can analyze to say this is working, this is not working. And we know for every dollar that we spend with these people, we're getting $10 in return. Now, not all that's profit, but at the same time, we know at any given moment through the algorithms that they've, that they've built that if we spend a dollar, as an example, we just started, uh, we just got a contract to uh, put camper shells on trucks. And um, we're going to throw some money at it and start to find out, even though not everybody, in fact, you'll find maybe one in 10 trucks has a camper shell. A lot of work trucks have camper, shell, camper shells. We know there's a market for that. So we're going to spend a little bit of money and find out who out there is uh, wanting to buy one. The, the other side of that is we learned early on in that business, we just need to be the first click. And so how do you get to be the first click? There's a lot of information out there as far as Google and you know the way they dissect words and, and so forth that allowed us to become the first click. So if you pull up camper shells in, in and around the, the Pendleton area, lift kits, spray and bed liners, any of that kind of stuff, we're the first ones that come up. And because of the way pricing works, we're generally going to be within 5-10% of anyone in the marketplace. And that's where we had to really focus our, on our numbers. We're not trying to be the cheapest. Uh, going back to how do you make money, we're not trying to be a low-volume um, 
high number of sales, we want to make sure that we do make money on all of them. And sometimes you just pass. Uh, some people are out there selling really cheap tent and we'll throw it on your car for next to nothing. Okay, that's probably not our client. That's not the customer that we want. We want the one that comes in, says, hey, I want a tent. Oh, by the way, I want the electric retractable uh, step side um, mounts on my truck. I want a lift kit. I want all the other things that um, when I walk in, my pocketbook isn't, you know, $150 budget. I want the one with a $3,000 budget. So we dissect those numbers and we have a target market. We can go after it. When I first started in the insurance business, um, and again, I mentioned Tiger School because it was a fundamental sales school. This is where we really started to learn numbers, how to track your numbers. And it was really simple in the sense that you, you tried to make, the, the fundamental part was nine approaches, got you three interviews, three interviews got you one sale. Out of that one sale, you need to get nine referrals. And you think about that, nine, three, one, nine. Um, if you did that enough each week, generally I ran between 10 to 20 appointments a week. And if you do the math on that, I was making anywhere from three to four sales a week. And if I wasn't making those sales, let's say that I was making 20 phone calls and only got one interview. Well, it told me I needed to go back to my phone script, which we use, hone, it, hone my phone sales first, because the first sale is the interview. Hone those skills. What was I doing wrong? What was I saying that wasn't getting me the interview? And then once I honed that skill, then it came down to my presentation skills. Uh, if I wasn't making at least one sale every three interviews, why? And then the last part, which was to keep in business, stay in business, you had to get referrals. Now, you got to remember this is the 1980s and 1990s when you didn't have the internet. So you literally had to be in front of somebody, um, talk to them on the phone. So you were able to identify where my weaknesses were, and I could practice those those skills. I could learn the, the presentation verbatim and not stray away from it. And once we did those things, success happened. You made sales. And it wasn't a high-pressure scenario. It was just saying the right things, listening to what they really needed or wanted, and then filling that need. Um, the law of large numbers is a real thing. And the law of large numbers is basically... The more people you call, the more people you're in front of, the more um, prospects that you see, the more success you're going to have. Hence the word work. Um, the individuals that say, you know, my goal is to sell two a week and go play golf all the time. Well, when I'm golfing, I better be talking to clients about what I'm selling because I'm spending an awful lot of time doing something that, quite frankly, isn't making me any money. So knowing your numbers is a vital part of trying to build a business. Now, obviously, we're an accounting firm. So the part that we see with small businesses, the ones that are truly succeeding and moving forward, is whoever runs it, whether it's the manager, whether it's the owner, whether, you know, whoever it is, they know their numbers. And one of the best examples was that my first partner in business um, was a, a young lady named Stephanie Harden. And she's a hair salon stylist. And at the time, we had just bought the laundromat the year before, and there was some extra space, about 
300 square feet in the front of the laundromat that was just dead space. It didn't make any money. And I have a philosophy. If you own commercial real estate, every square inch needs to make you money. And she came to me and she was distraught. She was leaving the hair salon that she had been with for a number of years. And she said, is there any way you can help me? And the first thing I asked her was, Steph, tell me your numbers. And I was blown away by her ability to tell me exactly what she made every week. Because from my perspective, it was if I was going to invest money into a, a hair salon, I needed to make sure, number one, that this person was going to be successful. Because I didn't want to put her in a position where she was paying me rent uh, on a weekly basis and wasn't able to pay her bills. And I was amazed that every question I asked her, she knew the answer, she knew her numbers, and that's what made it made the decision. So with a piece, a roll of masking tape, we laid out a uh, an area in the front of the laundromat. And I said, will this work? And she goes, I think so. And at that time, I didn't use any other contractors, so I built the damn thing. I literally put the, the two-by-fours up, put the plywood up, uh, put the, uh, the drywall up. Uh, I didn't do the plumbing. That's a little above my pay grade, but we put the plumbing in. And two weeks later, after she approached me, we did our first haircut. And it's been going now for 16 years, 15, 16 years. And, but we did it based on numbers. Did we have the space? Yes. Did she know her numbers? Did she, was she put in a position to win? Well, she had already succeeded as a stylist. And her people were going to follow her. And it's grown exponentially since. Uh, so it's been one of those things based on the data. We were able to do that. Now, if you go back to any success literally in the world, math has been a part of that success. And I was also thinking about, I mean, if you know your numbers, you literally can put a person on the moon. And you think about in the 1960s, the space race. It was through math and knowing their numbers that allowed them the opportunity to literally put a man on the moon and bring him home safely. And they did it multiple times, but they used it through math. So every small business owner needs to really spend some time. And it doesn't have to be complicated calculus. You're not sending somebody to the moon. But it's simple addition and subtraction. If my uh, income or my my overhead exceeds my income, my overhead's my downfall. So if you're not making money, why aren't you making money? And it's simple math. I sit down with a pad of paper and I go, "Where where's the leak? Where is the extra stuff that's not making me money? Now, that brings me back to the, the risk of being an entrepreneur. When you're a young, single individual, like I was in 1988 when I first got in business, um my risk was much less because I didn't have a big nut. You know, I had rent. I had uh, a car payment. I was able to risk all of that very simply uh, to take a chance on an opportunity. And the older you get, and then you have kids, and you have a wife, and you have a mortgage, and you have expenses, um, I've got to make sure that if I'm going to take the risk, that I've done the math to figure out I'm going to pay all my personal expenses plus my business expenses. So that's where budgets come in. So you have to sit down. Now, this is where I suggest that every single uh, entrepreneur involves their spouse. 
we have a saying in here, involvement is commitment. If they're involved in the decision, they'll be committed to the decision. And generally, uh, for the most part, given statistics across the United States, most spouses have never been a part, their family was never a part of being an entrepreneur. And your first sale has to be selling them on why this makes sense. Why does this risk make sense? Because if they grew up in a household where mom and dad worked and were W-2 wage earners, they had a 401k, they had health insurance, they had all this stuff, this is going to scare the daylights out of them. Well, by knowing your numbers, your first sale is going to be, let me show you where we can go with this. And it won't be the last time you have to do it. You got to do it almost daily. Let me explain to you why we're in it, how we're going to come out of this hole that we may have dug, and why big big picture, long-term, the amount of freedom we're going to have and the amount of um, income we're going to have is far exceeding what I could have done in a nine-to-five job for 25, 30, 40 years. So I go back to your first sale is going to have to be understanding your numbers. And keep it as simple as 9319. I got to approach nine people, get three interviews, got to make one sale. Out of those, that one sale, I've got to get nine referrals. So I think as we step back and really understand our business, um, those numbers are what's going to drive our decision-making. And the decision-making is, and, and I'm going to get into this on, a, on another episode, is you can't stand still. Um, and I, I said it er, in kind of fumbled it in the last episode, but as long as you're green, you're growing. As soon as you're ripe, you rot. So green means that I know my numbers, and as long as I'm pouring my efforts into those uh, numbers that are going to give me the best results, I'm going to succeed. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recruiting, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. So as we, as we look at that, we have budgets, balance sheets. So I always look at things as ultimately any investment goes on my balance sheet. Now, what's a balance sheet? It's my assets minus my liabilities. And if my assets are continuing to grow and my liabilities are continue to shrink, that's my ultimate scoreboard. 
Now, I've got the scoreboard on the business side that is my budget and those sorts of things. But my ultimate scoreboard is, is my net worth growing? And the reason that's important is, um, use a farm as an example. Let's say I bought 500 acres 25 years ago, and I want to buy another uh, contiguous 500 acres next to me. This one's paid for, but I don't have all the capital for the next 500. And clearly, over the last 25 years, land prices have increased. So this asset on my balance sheet has increased in value, which allows me to leverage to buy the next 500 acres. Um, but that's a big, long-term picture. So if you step back and look at your business and say, yeah, my first year is survival. My second year is probably survival. My third year, I'm finally coming out of that. Fourth year, I'm starting to really make money. Fifth year, i got to grow. I've got to expand. So there's organic growth, which allows me to take the existing business that I have and add more people and continue to grow it. Then there's acquisition growth. And we're constantly looking for acquisitions in certain parts of our business. And the reason you do that is um, it grows you exponentially much faster. Yeah, there's some expense to that. There's an investment in that. But then I can find efficiencies on the back end. As an example, uh, if we were to buy another insurance agency, we have the capacity to absorb another insurance agency with not much daily, monthly, yearly cost because we've already got the internal um, effects to, 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 to absorb it and to basically service that business. There would be a point where we go, okay, we've got to continue to add more individuals to service it, but acquisitions are a great way to do it. So knowing your numbers affords you the opportunity in the big picture to know when to make that acquisition, to know why to make that acquisition, and ultimately how to make the acquisition. Um, numbers tell me when to make it. Numbers tell me when to stop it. Numbers also will tell me, oops, this isn't working. So I probably ought to put the brakes on this one. Maybe the timing isn't right. Uh, like we mentioned before, we had started 20 businesses. Two of those businesses, what I've learned is when I dabble in something, I don't make money. And one of those businesses was a tanning salon. And we owned a laundromat, and it made sense to me at the time to add tanning. Well, at the time, we had four people working full-time or part-time in the laundromat, so they could service that. What I soon learned, and I didn't do my homework before, is the people that are really in the tanning business um, on a Sunday would give it away for a dollar. Well, I couldn't turn the machine on for a dollar. So we eventually said, this just does make no sense whatsoever because we're not trying to compete with the large groups that do that kind of stuff, and that's what the only thing that they do. Um, so we just shut it down. We just said, okay, that doesn't make any sense. So the numbers not only tell you where to pour gas on, but it also tells you where to let the gas off. So um, we use internally systems that help us calculate numbers. Uh, probably the one that's 95% of our clients is QuickBooks. Uh, QuickBooks is a software that's made by Intuit. Um, that's the same software company that we use for our tax business. And it's an simple way. It's not always easy, but it's a simple way on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis to keep score. So don't be afraid to use technology to understand your business. In fact, I would encourage you to use technology. Um, we do have some small business owners come in with a yellow pad of paper and here was my income, here was my expenses. My suspicion is with that loose 
way of doing it, they're missing opportunities somewhere. And going back to, um, you know, just perception of, of numbers, a lot of people get terrified by, by them. And they go, I just don't want to know. And, and an example of that is we, we have a, f- a casino that's not far from our office, about 10 miles from our office. And we have people that go and gamble. And they're generally elderly folks. They're bored. Uh, and they'll bring in 1099s where they go, oh, I hit it big. And then we ask them during tax season, go find your losses because you have to offset those winnings with losses. Otherwise, you're paying tax on the whole thing. And invariably, they'll go, I don't want to know. I don't want to know how much I spent. Well, if you apply that to business and you're sunk, uh, you've got to know what the losses are just as much as you do what the winnings are. And if you step back and just be simple about it, I, I'm not in this. We're not a philanthropic oper- operation. We're not a, a nonprofit. We're an organization that is built to make money. And the only way we know that is by keeping score. So I, I, the part I'm probably the most proud of is if I went to Adam right now, if I went to Steph, if I went to you and said, which we do on a, a pretty regular basis, give me the numbers. All of you can tell me almost to the penny where we are year to date. Are we ahead of last year? Are we behind last year? Why are we ahead? Why are we behind? We don't leave a lot of things to chance. We wake up every day. We go to sleep every night thinking, okay, how am I going to grow the business? And we need to not only just grow it, but we've got to grow it profitably. So like I said in the last one, if you lose money on one, you don't make it up in volume. Only way we know that is through knowing our numbers. Um, some people consider people who are successful lucky. And that word luck, the best definition I ever heard of it, was when opportunity meets preparedness. Okay, if you think about we're prepared to make an acquisition. We just need the opportunity. We're prepared to bring on new staff. We just need the opportunity to do that. We're prepared to grow our business. Every single day, we get an opportunity to talk to somebody about what we do. And small businesses are built that way. Am I providing enough value that gives me the opportunity to talk about it at any given moment, clearly articulate it in a way that persuades them to say, yes, I want to do business. The only way I know if I'm effective at that or efficient at that is to know my numbers. If I'm saying something that's kind of off-putting and it's been repeated time and time again, I need to reflect on that and go, I need to stop doing that. I need to say it a different way. And I think when a small business owner understands clearly what they do, understands clearly how to articulate it, make it transferable because your staff needs to be able to do the same thing. Now I've got a basis of what's working and what's not. How am I doing that? Because I'm tracking the numbers. If I'm able to, and and multi-level marketing is probably one of my best examples of the law of large numbers in addition to transferable systems, I don't care the CBD oil or, you know, insurance or whatever the, you know, soap in your garage, whatever it is. Somebody's got to have that story of opportunity where they're able to share that with somebody else in a way that motivates them to do something about it. And by tracking those numbers, you're going to become more efficient, more effective with doing it. So um, I would say that if we can minimize the, 
the leaks in the business by knowing the numbers of regularly checking on them, then I can stop the leaks, take those resources, pour them into the things that are working, and now all of a sudden it's going to seem like it's magic, but it's not. You can calculate that out and pretty much see exactly where you should be two months from now, six months, a year, two years, five years, ten years from now. And again, going back to the luck side, you're going to see opportunities come your way because you'd been thinking about them. Boy, if an opportunity just showed up on this side, what would we do with it? How would we pay for it? Um, what would it do internally to our staff? Could we handle it? We've turned down a couple of opportunities because either distance, um, they just didn't fit what we were doing. It's, it, it's one of those where we were prepared for the opportunity enough that we understood that that one didn't fit us. And conversely, we're prepared when that other opportunity shows up and it just we can check all the boxes, pour gas on it. We know we, we're in. So I, I would sum up the, the numbers part of this is probably the simplest. For me, as a, a math geek, um, it's, it's the most fun because I can pull out and extrapolate because I review the numbers on a regular basis. I can see anomalies. What is that? How did, where did that come from? And generally, that's going to be something that we review with one of our staff members to go, what is this? Where did this come from? And why did we do it? Nine times out of 10, it was the right decision. Um, we just have to all be on the same page. But I think, think the key to that is knowing your numbers so well that you you immediately pointed it out and said, what is that? Where did that come from? Um, so going back to budgets and balance sheets, um, I don't care whether you do them electronically, which I, I think we prefer, or you do them on a pad of paper. The head coach needs to know the numbers better than anybody. If you're watching any of the uh, football games, uh, which, you know, over the weekend were somewhat disappointing and exciting at the same time, um, those coaches already know what's going to happen in each situation. I had the uh, pleasure of listening to uh, Joe Paterno one time. And he started out every single year with, gentlemen, this is a football. Um, these kids have played football their entire lives, but he starts every single year with, gentlemen, this is a football. And then he and his assistant coaches put every single play, possibility scenario on the whiteboard. And so when it came game time and the emotions are high and, and the energy is high and the adrenaline's running, a fourth down with one to go, scores this, you know, we've got momentum. They didn't call time out and then go huddle for 30 minutes to try to figure out what to do. They just looked at their sheets that, if you notice, they're all covering their mouth with. And they went, this is the scenario. Here's what we did. Boom, here's what we do. Here's the three plays that we could possibly run based on their their defense. Boom, done. It's an instant. So apply those same scenarios to your business. What if, how about maybe every scenario, I've written it down, I've reviewed it, so when that luck, opportunity meets preparedness, I can make a decision. So the numbers are probably the key to staying in business because they're, they're, that's the information, the data you need on a daily, weekly basis in order to survive um, and grow and build 
So I would say that based on rule number three, the better you are at keeping score, it's impossible to fail. Now, you may modify, you may change directions, you may do lots of other things because of the data, but it's impossible to fail because I've already thought it through. This happens, I do this. This opportunity shows up, I do this. Um, it's not static. It's not something that's, um, you know, an absolute. In fact, Lounsbury years ago said there are no absolutes, including that statement. Um, but the numbers don't lie. So we may have to change the numbers. We may have to get in and modify what we're doing to make the numbers better. But the numbers don't lie. Um, you're either winning or losing. And if you're losing, pouring gas on losing is just as devastating as not doing anything. So if we're winning, let's pour gas on it, but understand change happens. And we got to modify it. How do we know change happens? The numbers tell us. So with that, I'll turn it back to you. What do you know about the numbers? You know, <clears throat> something that you've always told me is um, numbers don't lie. People do. And um, I think in business, sometimes um, we can try to hold on to things that make us happy and proud and people have emotions and egos and sometimes it doesn't feel good to say you're wrong and you'll ride something to the ground. Um, so numbers don't lie. People do is a good one. And then another thing that you've always told me is um, money's just what you make. Wealth is what you keep. Difference between the, the balance sheet and the budget. Yep. Money is what you make. Wealth is what you keep. Um, especially in our line of work, tax accounting, especially small business owners who are trying to make the nut. And 40000 is the nut, and they make 40000 They spent 40000 but they didn't keep the 25% for taxes. The gotcha. And for somebody who always has worked a W-2 job or you know has always been an employee for somebody else, it's never been a thought. It's... And when you're in the survival stage, you're in, you know, stay in business, you know, the last person to get paid is who? The last person to get paid in this office is me. So I, I think when it comes to knowing your numbers, um, the, there's more than just the cash flow and the budget. It's the anticipation of outstanding debts, um, the ARR, right? So you've got accounts receivable as well as you've got accounts payable. So... Um, people, especially in desperate times, will over leverage themselves or not think far enough into the future because they're so stuck on today. Um, you know, they call it a rainy day fund out in the, uh, the Dave Ramsey world, but in business, all it takes is a furnace going out and that's, that's gone tomorrow. So risk. Risk is the big thing in business, and if you're not accounting for it and you're not accounting for tax and you're not accounting for all the intangible pieces of your business, those will wake you up and keep you up at night. Yeah, and I think that going back to uh, number two, we talked about the cost of capital. And, um, you know, when you, when you have a dream of being a small business owner or a large business owner or whatever your dream is, um, you have to understand how much capital it's going to take. And there's an old saying, by the inch it's a cinch, by the yard it's hard. Patience, uh, I think, uh, you know, having the internal fortitude to never quit, uh, understanding the business model that you're in. Again, 
I think you made a great point on ego, knowing when to leave the ego at the door. Egos are expensive. Whether it's I bought too much house, I bought too much car, uh, I'm living too much of a lifestyle that I can't afford, or in business, you know, I'm throwing good money at bad ideas. Uh, but numbers in the end are the ones that are going to tell you that. If it isn't working, shut it off and start over. If it isn't working, shut it off and move a different direction. Um, now, don't get me wrong. When Edison, you know, made the first light bulb, uh, as they, I think he, he quoted, he said, I just found 2,000 ways that it didn't work. There's something to be said for stick-to-itiveness. But if you notice, he didn't do the same thing over and over and, and expected different results. He modified what he was doing, and the numbers are what got him there. Um, I think in the big picture of what we do every day, um, you know, the numbers are where we live. We swim in the numbers. We are constantly trying to figure out how to modify our current business model to keep up and adjust and change to make it appealing to uh, not only our existing clients to keep them, but to attract new clients that here, either through marketing or word of mouth or referral or whatever, hey, these guys are pretty good. You probably ought to go see them. Maybe they can help you. And again, going back to the the um, the value we create allows us the opportunity to capture uh, the value that, that we want. So I, I would say uh, knowing your numbers, while it, it is simple, isn't easy, and it takes time, and you got other things to do, uh, if you got to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning like I did this morning and, and work on it, that's what you do. Um, go to bed at nine o'clock when your brain's fried. Get up in the in the morning and be fresh. Um, I don't drink coffee, but whatever your stimulant is in the morning, throw it down your gullet and get to work. Figure out your numbers. If you do that and you never quit, success is on your way. Never quit. Know your numbers. All right, folks. Well, that's everything for today. Um, I will say that I'm going to probably put a quick link uh, to QuickBooks online in the show notes. The reason that I'm doing that is um, they're running a 30% off for like the first six months. As long 30% as you, off? Hey. Um, but, but the reason is, you know, know your numbers. Don't expect the software to do the work for you. It still takes your own, you know, time and energy and the ability to go in and reconcile every single month. Again, this is just an opportunity for you guys to use one of our discount codes. So we say in here, our outputs on either the accounting or tax side are only as good as your inputs. So if you're doing a crappy job on your inputs, your outputs are going to be crappy. You're not going to learn anything. So make sure you take the time, do the inputs correctly. Um, if you need help with that, you know, there's resources out there. Um, my wife's a... QuickBooks Certified Trainer, we can help you with that. Um, if you're listening to this and you're somewhere that that's not possible, find somebody that can help you because the day one inputting of the numbers is the most critical. Setting up your um, accounts correctly, making sure that your your inflows are categorized correctly and your your expenses are categorized correctly. That's the only way you're going to be able to figure out the data to, to pour gas on it. Data's king. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. Peace.